in today's show, we're talking Toronto Raptors. I know a bunch of you have been asking for this one, and it's here. Finally, we're talking Toronto Raptors with the host of the Locked On Raptors podcast, Sean Woodley. Michael Bolton is here as well. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. There are 14 previews to go. This is one of them, the Raptors. Tomorrow, you'll get the Brooklyn Nets, and then we're still going to have the Utah Jazz, which I'm going to hold off on that one because there's no point. Like That team is so in flux still. And then there's the Washington Wizards that's still to come as well. So just working on some scheduling issues with getting the Wizards guest on. Next week, we'll do more into some fantasy stuff as well. We will start the fantasy team previews as well. We'll do Market Watch Monday next week. Got some stuff on year-on-year stat correlations. We're going to do some injury stuff as well next week, so make sure you are sticking around for all of that. But now, let's talk about the Toronto Raptors. Warney? Let's get it on, Gilly. All right, let's bring him back in. He's been on this show many times before. It is the host of the Locked On Raptors podcast. Looking very relaxed, very refreshed. It is Sean Woodley. Sean, this show, the Raptors preview, is the most requested show that I have had. People go, where's the Raptors? Why are you leaving the Raptors till last? What's what's going on? I want to hear about the Raptors. Well, I'm leaving the Raptors till last because Sean was out just enjoying himself, just chilling, just having some, having some time off. Um, but he's here now, and I'm sure people... because. As you know, Sean, Raptors fans, they can get a little uh, vociferous on the old internet and in the, in the comments. So I'm sure, sure, that's a polite word for it, yeah. I'm sure people are going to have <laughs> measured, calm responses to everything that we say on this show, particularly me, apparently a known Raptors hater. But we're going to talk about the Raptors. Let's let's get the, 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 the good vibes going with this team. Um, there's been some changes, as there is with most teams. Let's talk, as we start off all these shows, with who has arrived, who has left. Otto Porter is in, Juancho Hernan Gomez is in, Jeff Doughton, Ron Harper... They drafted Christian Coloco. Gabe Brown is in. Amani Brooks is gone. Watanabe's gone. Isaac Bonga is gone. Who people have asked me on my set who is the autographed uh, basketball card on my on the front of my desk. It is Isaac Bonga. And then David Johnson. Wow. I, I want to talk one thing here first of all. I don't even know if I, I prepared these questions for you later uh, for later on in the show. I don't know if it's one of them, but I'm going to ask it now. What's going on with Christian Coloco? Why isn't he signed? I think it will happen soon. I, I think it was sort of a Kevin Durant related thing in the event that they wanted to trade for KD and pull something off. They might need to sort of work some money around it. And then I just don't think they wanted to have that money on the books right away. I would assume he's going to be signed in short order now that it seems like KD's whole situation has been figured out. Um, you know, they've left that 20th roster spot open, you know, obviously with, I think, Coloco in mind. And, you know, I wouldn't worry if you're a Raptors fan because this is a guy who was essentially their first round pick this year right like they traded down from 20 in the Thaddeus Young trade down to 33 with the Pistons second rounder and that was their only pick in the draft and they talked about Coloco as though he was a guy who they would have targeted 
in that 20 range. Maybe you believe them, maybe you don't, whatever. But I think they're going to treat him like a first-round pick and give him plenty of run, You know, at the very least make him a mainstay of the G League team and maybe get some run as a backup center. So I wouldn't be too worried about his contract status. That felt more like a Kevin Durant-related piece of bookkeeping. Then who gets cut then? Because you said the 20th roster spot, but we can only carry 15 guys into the season. And mm-hmm. that would require, at this point, from what I can tell, if you include Coloco on a full deal, it's like there's 17 guys there, not including the two-way guys. So two guys will probably need to be cut mm-hmm. from this main roster. So so who is it? Uh, I, I think Svee Mihailuk's probably looking over his shoulder, I, I would say. Uh, you know, DJ Wilson as well. Uh, you know, he's sort of on the, he was brought in. He was a 10-day guy with the team last year. He got hurt after playing pretty well during that sort of COVID spell where the whole league was fake for a month. Uh, and then he, you know, was brought back this offseason just after Summer League. I, I or just before Summer League, that is. I, I would say that, you know, Svee and Wilson are kind of my two that I would point to as sort of the most likely guys. And then Wancho, I think, is right in that conversation as well. Gabe Brown, too. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I don't actually know a whole lot about Gabe Brown. The Raptors signed him while I was away. So I'm still kind of playing catch up on Gabe Brown. Um, I know he's gotten a dust up with Draymond Green or whatnot. So that's fun. But by the way, can we please stop with all these pro-ams and pick pick up runs in the offseason? It's exhausting. Uh, Either way, yeah, I would say it's like Wancho's fee and Wilson, who are probably at risk of being cut. You know, everyone was very excited about the Wancho signing, but like he's kind of surplus to requirements. He's a six foot nine forward, of which the Raptors have like 12, and he just doesn't seem to have the same level of talent as a lot of those guys. So I think they're pretty safe. You know, the guys who aren't guaranteed until camp, uh, you know, Delano Banton and Justin Champagne are there. They're not guaranteed just yet. I'd be pretty stunned if they're not brought back either. They have been pretty heavily invested in terms of G League time. Delano Banton got some rotation running spots last year, played a surprising number of games. Uh, and then Champagne, they, they think they're really high on him. And, you know, we'll probably talk about him later on. I'm pretty high on him as well. I'm driving the Justin Champagne bandwagon. So I think it's Wancho's Fee and Wilson who are probably the three that you're looking at with uh, Doughton and uh, Ron Harper Jr. being the two-way guys. Champagne, the uh, yeah, failed game-winning legend from last season when he hit that buzzer-beater shot that ended up getting uh, wiped away. I think that's most people's major yep. memory of Champagne. Um, <laughs> you talked about having 12 six, nine forwards, and, and that's actually not a joke because they, they mm-hmm. obviously brought in Otto Porter, who's a really good player. But as we're going to get to later on, their, their bench rotation and their team is basically all centers and power forwards. Like that, that's how it all is, and we are going to talk about that later on. We'll talk injuries first. Is there any injuries to worry mm-hmm. about coming into cramp camp? Because I think it's looking okay. Yeah, last year there was the whole Pascal Siakam thing with his yeah. shoulder surgery kind of lingering. It seems as though right now everything is good, which is a welcome thing considering injuries were a big part of last year's story. The starting five only played 21 games together last season. Uh, you know, various guys in and out. OG Ananobi missed like three different chunks of time. Fred Van Vliet wasn't himself down the stretch of the season. So very nice to hear that it seems like it's all clear with those guys. They've been popping up in plenty of you know, uh, clips of pickup runs and stuff like that. And everyone seems like they're, they're rocking heading into the season. Them being uh, healthy now is great. Of course, that doesn't prevent them being injured at some point during the season. We are going to touch on that a little bit later on before we do that. Sean, there is no uh, NFL team in Toronto. Does that make you a de facto Buffalo Bills fan? I, I, it makes me de facto, I don't care about the NFL fan. Um, But yeah, the Bills, if like I have to root for a team, 
probably just so like the people around me are more pleasant that's kind of my go-to is like who who will make my friends like the the most happy because i'm a good friend like that well just it's it, make my ad read easier we'll just pretend that you're a buffalo bills fan because if you want odds for the buffalo Beauty. bills betterline.net is the place that you got to go it's the number one online source for odds lines and games the bills have a preseason game coming up this weekend against the carolina panthers and if you want to check the odds for that you can because they are six and a half point underdogs because i'm assuming that all of their good players are not going to play and you can find reviews in news of every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. BetOnline is, of course, where the game starts. Your projected starting five, Sean, is that starting five you referenced already that only played those 21 games together last season. Freddie Van Vliet, Gary Trent, Ojananobi, Scotland Barnes, and Pascal Siakam in that group. Um, if someone was going to move out of that group, it's probably Gary Trent, yes? Yeah, and that's like what I'm rooting for, honestly. Like this lineup played the most minutes of any lineup last season for the Raptors, which says something about how incomplete they were that this lineup played 21 total games together and still led the team in total minutes played by a pretty significant margin. And they never quite, I think, matched just like the general, when you look at that lineup, it's like, oh, there's offensive options everywhere. There's lots of guys who can handle it. There's plenty of size across the board. And they were usually a pretty good defensive, you know, crew, but they never really found it offensively. And I wonder if it's maybe just like too many mouths to feed type situation, not a ton of chemistry because they didn't play so much together, um, sort of weird different ups and ebbs and flows for different guys throughout the season. Um, but that lineup never really got going. They kind of barely broke even, if I recall, might have been slightly negative. Yeah, now, just looking at now, negative 0 0.2 yeah. net rating. There you go. And that was basically where they were the entire season. There was never a stretch where that lineup kind of got cooking or anything like that. Um, and for me, like I was fine with that last year. I thought that was the five best players the Raptors had on the team and go roll with it. Try Scotty Barnes out doing a bunch of different things. I think it was very useful for Scotty Barnes. He got to play some center. He got to play some point guard. He got to play some wing. It was kind of all over the place, but it worked. And, you know, there was totally a fine way to go. But going into this season, I think there's probably going to be a pretty short leash for that lineup. And it's a political thing more than like, I think, a merit and skill and complementary skills type of thing. I think just your best five, if you're the Raptors, is going to be Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, kind of as the de facto point guard with Van Vliet more or less the two guard, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Precious Achua. That, to me, is going to be the closing lineup a lot of times. And I would guess by midseason, it's going to take over as the starting lineup. My dream is to see Gary Trent Jr. just become the sixth man. He was very clearly born to be, considering his shot profile and the things that he's good at, uh, the sort of brazenness of the shots he takes. He's got that gunner spirit. He does feel like a sixth man to me, and he could win the award, frankly. Like, he could go and be the sixth man of the year if the Raptors let him run in that role. Uh, but he's in a contract year, and there's politics involved. And if the Raptors can't convince him that coming off the bench is best for him, maybe he just stays in there as a sort of way to keep people happy throughout the season. But the way Precious Achua came on at the end of last year, the dude is just incredible defensively. He can guard literally one through five. There were moments in the playoffs where he would guard James Harden and Joel Embiid very capably on the same possession. I think he is going to force the hand of Nick Nurse and be in that starting five at some point here just because he does a lot of really valuable things. And for those who are sort of unaware of late season pressures at Chua, he started shooting threes after the All-Star break last year. He averaged about 40% on north of three attempts a game uh, in the back part of the season. Very small sample, but 
it, he ended up being like a league average three-point shooter last season on, on the whole. So if that can carry over, that addresses sort of the main thing that Gary Trent Jr. offers to that starting five, which is shooting and spacing and just like an outlet for these other guys. And if you can get Precious in there, the defense just gets a lot better. And I think the bench probably gets a little bit more balanced as well. As you mentioned, the entire bench is wings or sorry, forwards and six foot nine uh, centers who are not really centers. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a couple of things that, to take away from that. Like I'm going to get in here, make a comment before the Raptors people jump into the YouTube comments or tweet at me and saying this. Precious Chua was really, really much improved the second half of the season. He was also the most unwatchable player in the NBA over the first three months of the season. And that's what I said at the time. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah. Watching him on offense, <laughs> it was horrendous and you couldn't have seen a worse player offensively than what you saw. But again, and I said this last season, well, people will take when I said that he was the worst rotation player in the NBA to begin the season. At the end of the season, he was he was fine. The defense was really good. Mm-hmm. The offense improved. He wasn't like just taking the dumbest shots I've ever seen in my life. He actually became a functional, useful rotation piece who you know, profiles to move into some sort of a starting role. And that's exactly what happened with him because you know, things aren't static. If you say at the moment, this guy's really bad, it can be true and he can also be much improved towards the end of the season. And that's exactly what happened with Achua as he moves forward. And we talk about this bench rotation. Let's look at it now because these are the five best guys probably. Thad Young, mm-hmm. 6'9 player who's better off as a center. Otto Porter's a 6'9 power forward. Precious Achua is a center. Chris Boucher is a center. Ken Birch is a center. And let's, like, because the other options are Malachi Flynn, like, okay, sure. Um, Justin Champagne, Delano Banton is, like, why is Masai Ujiri just saying guards? Never heard of him. Like, what, why do we need him? Like, what, what is going on with this? Because this is a real rotation challenge because. Yes. Thad Young is a 25-minute-a-night player. Otto Porter is a 25-minute-a-night player. Precious Achua is a 25-minute-plus-a-night player. Chris Boucher is probably a 23-minute-a-night player. And there is zero chance with the way this team is constructed that those guys get anywhere near that level of playing time. Birch, not so much. I, I think he struggles a little bit. But mm-hmm. what's what's the idea of just never having a guard here? Because I think you're just not maximizing the use of this bench. I think the Raptors just don't care about positions is the thing. And I think they more I'll, sort I'll of rephrase say, it can... then. Like these guys, yeah. <laughs> there's, where's the ball handling? Where's the passing? Where's the shooting? Like, yeah. Otto Porter's an okay shooter, but he can't create those for himself. Boucher can be an okay catch and shoot guy, but he can't create yep. for himself. So like, forget about like if you're a guard or you're six foot four or whatever, where's the ball handling, passing and shooting in this group? There's going to be a lot of staggering with the starters, I think, is what you're going to see, Josh. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of Scotty Barnes running with bench guys and with sort of one of Gary Trent Jr. OJ and Obi tethered to him. You're going to see a lot of Fred Van Vliet running with the bench and Pascal Siakam, who in the back part of last season, he was essentially the point guard for the Raptors. Fred Van Vliet was very injured and Pascal was. was running most of the possessions. I think he finished like fourth in the league in isolations uh, in terms of frequency. Uh, he you know, was like 92nd percentile in the league in just general usage. Like he had a lot on his shoulders. And, you know, he, I, I think we're going to see that again. I, I do think there's going to be a little bit more help this time around, though. I think Scotty Barnes will be a little bit more ready to carry some of that ball handling burden. He's such a great passer. You know, obviously he's not a great shooter just yet. And that is a big part of being a very good on ball creator is you have to have all the different things to worry about. Otherwise you're easy to defend against, but I think we're going to see sort of a a three headed monster of ball handlers for this team, more or less with guys like Gary Trent Jr. And probably OG Ananobi getting some run as well with the ball in their hands. They've had various degrees of success. OG's had some stretches where he's looked pretty nice with the ball in his hands, maybe a bit overextended. 
Gary Trent Jr., he doesn't really pass, but, you know, he, he's someone who can go and create a look, and that's why I think kind of in the second unit, without a ton of shooting around him or playmaking around him, maybe that's the perfect spot for Gary Trent Jr. to just go do his weird mid-range game thing. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a bit of a work in progress. They have guys, like you said, in Malachi Flynn, who had like one four-game stretch last year before getting hurt where he looked like an NBA player and has not looked like an NBA player at any other time in his career, really. I don't care that he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week in the back part of the season the Raptors played in Tampa. It was a fake season. That was garbage time of that season. Ken Birch averaged 11-7-3 and during that time. Don't take that as any sort of gospel or anything like that. But, you know, Malachi Flynn has had some moments, and at some point they're going to have to decide, is this guy going to be on our team at all? This probably is the year to determine that. And then Delano Banton, like they gave him the keys to the G League team last year and just said, all right, dude, you're weird. We don't really know what you are, but you're our point guard, we think. And he was pretty successful in that role. So there are other guys with a little bit more in terms of ball handling chops who could get some run here. But I really do think it's going to be Siakam, Barnes, Fred, and then Thad Young, too. Like they're going to run him out of the post. They're going to do the thing that the Bulls did with him, right, where he was essentially their best passer when he was, yeah. you know, when he had that really great season where he kind of flirted with six man of the year for the Bulls. Like, I think Thad's going to be a big part of that. Uh, and I think they're counting on some internal growth, even from a guy like Precious, who is not one for making reads necessarily, but but got better at as, as the season went along. And, and I just think they're going to cobble it together to the point where it's good enough. And all of these guys are going to represent a defense that should be pretty bloody awesome. I think they were the number six defense after January 1st last year. They really kind of got into, into a role and a rhythm. And I think this team, as much as there are some new guys, I believe for John Schumann's like continuity stat, they're going to be number one in the NBA in terms of returning players from minutes played last season. And so I think a little bit more chemistry, a little bit more time spent playing Nick Nurse's very complex defensive system will make it so this is a team that probably accepts they're going to be about middle of the road offensively, but will be a monster defensively. Yeah, I think the uh, monster defensively is apt. And just from hearing you talk, talk it just reminded me that you, know, you are Canadian and Canada is part of the Commonwealth when you said something was bloody awesome. Um, it just, I go, wow, wow, that's just... <laughs> In, in that sort of North American accent, hearing that, it just, wow, just, I don't know. It just took me out of things for a bit. Um, let's talk about Scotty Barnes, because I'm going to really lean in, get the Raptors guys all riled up here. I didn't think he should have won Rookie of the Year, but that's not to say he didn't have a great rookie season. I thought he was excellent. He definitely, I thought it was a mistake to draft him at that point, and I'm clearly being proven wrong there. He, he was great. He did suffer towards the end of the season, the shooting, which started off red hot, it did start to fall away back to sort of some of the concern levels I had pre-draft where he just wasn't a shooter at Florida State and his overall three-point percentage ended up pretty low and it was, I think, below 30% for the last two to three months of the season. That did fall away mm -hmm. somewhat. Um, at the end of the year. And again, I, he did have some really nice moments. There was some issues. Again, I thought people, you can hate on me as much as you want, but when this team was healthy, he did seem to take somewhat of a step back. Like he would have these big games when OG was out or when Pascal was out or when Fred was out. And when everyone was there, you'd see the usage drop to like 17 and the shooting wasn't there. And mm -hmm. he sort of wasn't able to take that, that step forward. Do you see that in year two, like that aggression where he pushes to become that number two offensive option? Or is he still going to be stuck behind Pascal and then Fred and then Gary and then maybe even OG as because literally he was the fifth offensive option out of that group for the majority of the season. Yeah, I think I more think it's going to look like it did in the back part of the season where Pascal Siakam was playing like ridiculous basketball in the last couple months of the year, like totally incredible. Had there been an MVP conversation for just the last three months, Pascal Siakam would be in the conversation, you know, classic, you know, might, might get a fifth place vote situation. That's how good he was. And Scotty Barnes was the second best player on the Raptors in the back part of the year 
Fred Van Vliet was just not himself. He was busted. Um, you know, OG Ananobi missed a ton of time as well. Gary Trent Jr. kind of was hot and cold. And Scotty was very consistently the second most important player for the team. And I am like extremely bullish on Scotty Barnes. I think you're wrong. I think he should have been rookie of the year last year. I think the burden he carried offensively. And look, I didn't change this stance until the last month or two of the year. I was resigned. I thought Evan Mobley was so transcendent defensively that it just made the difference. But Scotty got a lot better at defense as the season went along, kind of cleaned up a lot of the problems from the early part of the year. And his offensive burden was just so much greater than Evan Mobley's that I, you know, went with with Scotty Barnes and sort of my hypothetical ballot. It doesn't matter. He's won it. It's in exactly. the past. No yep. one's ever going to think about rookie of the year 10 years from now. It was a stupid debate anyway. But shout out like, to Michael Williams. <laughs> exactly. I think Scotty Barnes by the end of this season is going to be considered widely the second best player on the Raptors. I'm that bullish on him. And I think there's just so much that he does even when he's not being asked to be a main offensive cog, like he is so important to their offensive rebounding, which is an incredible part of their team because that's basically half their offense is just chuck shots up and hope you get the misses. Um, and he's really, really great at that. He is someone who I think is probably going to average like five assists a game this year because he's going to have a lot more on his plate. He averaged, I think, three and a half last year as a rookie. And I, I could see that ticking up pretty significantly as he kind of moves into the sort of what my vision for this team is, is essentially it's a Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, dueling head of the snake situation where everyone else is kind of in their orbit. Fred Van Vliet, less heavily on the ball, more sort of operating as a catch and shoot guy, which he is one of the best guys in the NBA at doing and has been for years. OG Ananobi, a great catch and shoot guy. You know, Gary Trent Jr., I think if you can kind of orient things around Barnes and, and Siakam, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's strange to have two six nine guys being your main offensive hubs, but... Scotty can get to wherever he wants. He's really great scoring at the rim. No one can really stop him from getting to those spots. And if the three-point shot does come along in any way, if it's 33, 34%, like that is such a significant uptick, I think, com compared to where he was for most of last year, that I I'm pretty high on the idea of Scotty being the number two guy on this team. Pretty consensus, you know, talking by the end of the year. Um, he's just that impressive to me. And, and watching him every day, just seeing the way that he kind of learned the game. That's the thing about Scotty Barnes that impressed me most is he didn't really make the same mistake twice. Maybe he'd make it twice, but then learn for the third time. And he just seemed like a supercomputer kind of learning. Oh, that's how I do that thing. Oh, that's how I play that defensive coverage as a center. That's how I do that thing as a point guard. And he was thrown so much last year. I think he ranked in the 100th percentile of positional versatility on defense last year. Like he literally played even across the board defensively more than any other player one through five, I, I really think that this is going to be a big time year for Scotty Barnes. And, you know, I was not as high on the pick, you know, as a lot of Raptors fans might have been when it first happened, but I was completely sold over the course of last year. The dude's special, and it's really, really exciting to have that guy on the team that you like to watch and cover every day for sure. I'm looking at that stat, that defensive positional versatility. I've just got it up in front of me. He did, he definitely led the Raptors in that number. I'm just looking to see where he was percentile-wise across the NBA. Hmm. He was, hmm, let me have a look, because he was, he was way up there. And it, interestingly, you talk about offensive load. Him and Evan Mobley were almost exactly the same offensive load for the season, which was pretty interesting. Right. But um, for some reason, it's not coming up with percentile. It came here. differently, Josh. Come on now. Let's have a look. <laughs> Defensive positional versatility, 99.7 um, percentile. So there you go. Pretty much right at the top. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the only two guys who were ahead of him were guys that played limited minutes. Haywood Highsmith and Juan Toscano-Anderson. 
So yeah, he was uh, yeah. he was right up there in uh, that. So let's well that'll transition us into another Scotty Barnes question. Just a, a quick one mm-hmm. here: Are they transitioning him to transitioning? Sounds wrong, but are they moving him to being a um, full time point guard? Do you think? I don't know full time necessarily because like there will be time where he's out there with Fred and Pascal and is kind of the third banana, you know, ball handling wise. But I, I think they're going to ask him to do a lot more. Like, I don't know how many pick and rolls he ran last season per game. I don't have that on hand, but I would expect that number is going to increase significantly. I would expect he's going to get quite a lot of isolations, as that was the thing they were pretty comfortable with him doing last year. Um, You know, he's someone who can go find the matchup that he can exploit and then do it. So, yeah, I don't know if necessarily like a pure point guard is what you're looking at, but he will be, I, I think, way higher up the hierarchy of like guys who possessions begin with. And I think in particular, like the Barnes Siakam two man game, I'm pretty excited to see. Like I, I'm pretty thrilled about sort of how those guys are going to play off of one or one another with shooting around them. They can both make plays in the short roll. They, you know, neither is a great pull up shooter, which might be the limiting factor there. But both guys are so good at getting downhill and finding a guy to exploit. I, I think that's going to be a pretty fun thing to watch. So again, it's hard to talk about this Raptors team, Josh. They're weird as hell. They don't kind of go by the typical you know, like boundaries you kind of expect with basketball. They kind of play by their own book in a lot of ways. And I don't think you can really view this team as like, all right, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. It's just like five dudes who, you know, have varying levels of responsibility when it comes to creating offense. And I think Barnes will be pretty high up near the, the top of who they're asking to create stuff. What he does here too is going to be something that's really intriguing for us all to watch and how that role changes and where those developments come from for sure. Now, again, I because because Raptors fans are so passionate, I do, I do get a lot that comes my way about them. Because people will, oh, this is the I'm sure you get this as well. People, I have met multiple people that like criticize Nick Nurse, bottom five NBA coach, needs to be fired. Well, what's he doing? Then it's like, man, he's a legend. He's the best. I'm actually more towards he's the legend. He's the best sort of end. And I don't know why I end up copying those ones. So, hey, you should agree that he needs to be fired. But what's the deal with the minutes? Like, what's going on? Like, there, it, it's you want to talk about yeah, Fred Van Vliet turning into dust towards the end of the season. I'm not sure that I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to like associate that with him. They're, these guys playing 39 minutes a night, every single night. Um, we've got a bunch of depth here on this bench, like Young and Boucher and Birch and Achura and Porter. Yes, there's no guards in that mix, but there are players there. What is the mm-hmm. deal with the insanely high minutes? Is this is there any pushback from Messiah saying, hey, Nick, can you like calm down just a little bit here with this? Is it him like pushing back saying, I don't like what you've given me on the bench? Is it something that's going to continue? Like, What's the deal? Because it does not seem sustainable. Last year, it felt like an organizational philosophy that everyone was on the same page with. Nurse knew they were going to play these guys a lot. And Masai Ujiri talked about at various times, I think he talked about this at the trade deadline, like he was asked about the minute situation and the response was, I thought pretty interesting. Last year's Raptors team was not a team with high ambitions necessarily, right? They were in this transitional year. They ended up finishing with 48 wins in the five seed because as you said, Nick Nurse, pretty damn good coach. Um, but I, I think what they're thinking was, and Masai Ujiri literally said this, so there's not much inferring. It's just how they professed how they were running the season was what else are we going to get these reps this year? We're not going on a deep playoff run. We're not expecting to be going to the third round. And so when are we going to get these guys heavy minutes in crunch time? When are we going to ask these guys to play a playoff type load? And I think it actually benefited the team in the grand scheme going into the playoffs to play their main guys as much as they did. Like Pascal Siakam played a playoff burden for most of last season, at least in the second half. And his play translated to the playoffs quite well. Like he was very good in that Sixer series, was easily the best player for the Raptors in that series and had a couple of really big games. 
I think that was all part of the deal. And it was also complicated by the fact that the team had like six reliable players for most of last season. Precious Achua came along at some point. There were moments where guys were in and out of the lineup. Like they were very, very thin last year. Don't think that'll be so much the case this year. Otto Porter is such a huge addition. Even if he's hurt, like he's your eighth or ninth guy, you can still find ways to fill in for his minutes and not be too upset if he's gonna got in his time for, you know, whatever, load management, whatever you want to say. Like you have Fad, you have Precious, you have Chris Boucher. And by the way, Chris Boucher, I'm not sure where you're at with Chris Boucher, but he was so awesome last year. So, so good in his role. Maybe not like a fantasy darling necessarily, but like was just really bloody effective for the Raptors. And if you look at what the you know his impact on the floor was compared to any of the guys who was in the six-man conversation like in terms of driving winning went on the floor chris boucher blew them all out of the water like tyler hero jordan clark said you name it he was better than all of those guys at driving winning for his team as a reserve when he was in there and so i think the trust is there now for chris boucher thad's there you hope there's more help. There's a little bit more in terms of, all right, maybe Justin Champagne is ready for spot minutes. Maybe Delano Banton's more ready for spot minutes. And I think the depth will be there so they can balance things out and not play Pascal Siakam 39 minutes a game, not play Fred Van Vliet 39 minutes a game. And there's also a track record of the Raptors kind of adapting and learning you know, from their situations with overtaxing guys with minutes. You think back to the 2014-15 season, that's the year the Raptors get swept in the playoffs because – Kyle Lowry was broken, completely and utterly broken because DeMar DeRozan got hurt early in the season. Kyle had to carry this insane load. It was probably the best we've ever seen Kyle for a stretch there, but then it just got too much. This was before skinny Kyle was a thing and they got burned by it. He comes back a little, little slimmer. He, you know, they bring his minutes down a little bit there in the 15, 16 season that worked out wonderfully. He was great. Then the following year, they tax him a ton as well in the 16, 17 season. He gets hurt in the middle of that season, has a thumb thing, is never quite right. And then the following year, 17, 18, they bring him down to like 33 minutes a game. Cause I think they realize like, all right, we got to figure this out. He's got to be adaptable to the role we need him to play. And I think the team realized like we, this is just untenable if we actually want to go deep in the postseason. And so Masai Ujiri was there for that. Nick Nurse was there for that. Like there's a track record of this team adapting and sort of tailoring the minutes flow to the needs of the team and the ambitions of the team. And while I don't think this is a title team necessarily, I do think they'd like to win around at least this year and try to maybe push for 50 wins considering how close they got to it last year, despite being very much an incomplete product. And so, excuse me, I, I think we'll probably see Siakam's minutes comes down a touch and, and, you know, it's kind of dispersed among different guys. Thad Young take, takes on a little bit of a load. Otto Porter, Scotty Barnes has a bit more of a ball handling duty, all of that. You know, maybe I'm wrong and Nick Nurse is a maniac and realizes he has six guys he trusts again and he's going to play these guys like insane minutes. But I, I think last year it was very much like the decree from up high. It was fine. Go play these guys as much as you need. We don't have a great roster right now. We're trying to find out what we have in these very important guys and get them some run in a season where we know we're not going to win a title. I think things will change this year a little bit. Maybe not that they're going to go and play Fred 30 minutes a game, but 34, I think that's very much on the table. And I think they kind of know that they can't keep running these guys into the ground. Yeah, look, they played 38. Vavli and Siakam, 38 each. There's no way. I don't think they get back to that. You asked me about Boucher. Part of my criticisms with Boucher from a fantasy perspective where people would overreach was the fact that Nurse did not trust him and he would get jerked mm. in and out of the lineup. And that did change. But also, Boucher changed his game as well. He played totally. way, way more within the flow of what he needed to. He accepted to be a role player. He only averaged nine points per game and the usage was down under 18. When he'd be a guy that would just jack up so many more shots and they'd be out of the flow of the offense. And that's why Nurse would say, no, nope, see you later. You're not playing. As simple as that. Mm-hmm. Defensively, he'd be wild and he'd be chasing blocks and not playing positional defense. And that 
that all changed. He got more consistent minutes, but it means all of his fantasy numbers came down. And I think that's going to be a similar thing, but he did find that role. And that's what I talk about with players so often. Like, just find your role. Just do what you need to do in that spot because that's how you're going to get consistent minutes. And that's exactly what he did. Who do you think is a breakout candidate on this team? Hmm. I mean, Scotty Barnes is like the easy one because it's like it's yeah. sitting there right in front of you. Like he, because he could just explode and be, you know, like an all-star level player in year two, and that wouldn't totally shock me at all. Um, you know, OG Ananobi's been like the sexy pick yeah. for a long time, right? Like he, he's just been, you know, it, uh, my thing is like the player OG is is perfect. Like he's really an excellent good. player. Eighteen points a game, shoots thirty-eight percent from three, is like maybe the best wing defender alive, pound for pound. Yeah, it's a pretty good player to have on your team. There's a reason all these teams were like, man, maybe the Raptors will want to trade OG to us. Wouldn't that be swell in the offseason? Like it, it's he's a very valuable commodity, even if he doesn't go and become Kawhi Leonard, which was what some more delusional Raptors fans were like. Oh, he's the same size and he's quiet. He must be Kawhi Leonard. It's not how it works. But I, I do think like they're probably going to try to get OG the ball more like a little bit more this season, whether it's, he's running with second units alongside Gary Trent jr. Whether he's just trying to take some of the burden off of a Siakam or a Fred or a Scotty Barnes or whatever. Like, I think they're going to just sort of give him some agency, maybe just to test those limits one last time, just to see, all right, is there anything more here than a very, very excellent three and D player? I don't necessarily see him expanding beyond what he is right now. You know, maybe there's a, an assist or two to be mined there that hasn't been before. But I think with how many like guys there are on this team who are going to demand shots, I don't really see much more than 17, 18 a game for OG. And I think that's, again, totally fine. Like as far as like basketball value, he's an incredibly valuable player. Fantasy maybe a little bit less so. And then... You know, as far as like other breakouts, it's tough. There's not like an obvious one on this team just because I think it's going to be a very similar looking team to what it was last year. But if you want me to go like super deep and, and nerdy about it, like Justin Champagny could be a rotation player at, at some point this season. I, I would not be shocked. He just is extremely Raptors-y. He offensive rebounds like a maniac. He's switchable across every position defensively. I don't even know what position they like classified him as last year between center shooting guard. Like it was kind of all over the place. And he goes down to the G league last year and like shoots 41% on like seven threes a game over 14 games. Not a huge sample, but I I do think they believe a lot in Justin Champagne. And and I'm a pretty big fan of what I've seen so far. Like the base level for him is pretty impressive. He can add a little bit more offensive pop to his game. He feels like a rotation piece to me. The guy most likely to bump out Kem Birch, I would say, um, and maybe even move up a little bit higher in the hierarchy, depending on how things go, depending on the health of Porter. So uh, that's kind. Of, it's not a very like breakout laden team, I would say. But those are kind of the best guesses I could throw your way. What about a regression candidate? Anyone you think that could take a step backwards? My guess would probably be like a Fred Van Vliet, just because of that. You know, more of giving the ball a little bit more to Scotty and preserving the knees a little bit more. Yeah, I would say like statistically, probably a step back for Fred in terms of just like overall production. Like I, I would guess he probably scores less than 20 a game this season, but I think his assists probably go up a little bit. I, I think he's going to kind of, uh, there's this thing. People have this like impression of Fred Van Vliet that he's like this gunner who is not like a play. I've just never understood that at all. Like he's been asked to be a high usage guy in a lot of cases because the team didn't have Pascal Siakam to start the last year. They were horribly injured and COVID-addled during the season prior in which he had a 50-point game and, and, and stuff like that. I don't think he's a gunner. I think he's a pretty adaptable guy who learned from the, the most adaptable guy in Kyle Lowry that, hey, point guard, sometimes you just got to like slot in where the team needs you. And I think we're going to see 
you know, a lower scoring output from Fred this year. I would expect the three-point percentage will go up, actually, because I'm going to guess more of his shots are going to be catch-and-shoot threes as opposed to a lot of pull-ups he had last year. Um, you know, and he's just an excellent, excellent catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, so that should behoove him there in that, in that department. And then playmaking-wise, yeah, I, I think because... There seems to be maybe some of the external stuff we've heard of the offseason, the rumblings of, oh, there's too many guys, you know, OGs agitating for more. I wonder if we see Fred just kind of take a step back, not to the levels of like the championship season, Kyle Lowry, where he averages like 14 a game, but 16 a game along with like eight or nine assists. Like, I think that's very much on the table for Fred Van Vliet, who I think is kind of has a finger on the pulse of what the team needs very, you know, much like Kyle Lowry used to not to continue to draw that comparison, but the comparison asks to be drawn because there are a lot of similarities there. Um, and I, I just think, yeah, stats wise, it'll be a lesser season for Fred, but I think it'll actually benefit the team in the whole, if that is the case. Two more questions for you. Then we're going to move on to just a couple of quick quiz questions to end things out. Sean, is this team quick answer here? Is this team just better than last season? I think so. Like internal development, the addition of Otto Porter, I, I think they will be better. You know, wins wise, we'll see. The East is probably going to be tough. The Nets seem to be like a real team again. So maybe that, you know, cuts into their ability. But like, I I'm very bullish on this Raptors team in a way I haven't been for a couple of years. Like, I, I thought they were going to be like a 41 win team last year, 42 wins. Um, I was like, yeah, 500 ish playing. That seems to be the spot. I think they're pretty comfortably one of the six best teams in the East. And I think there's a, probably a, pretty, a bit of a gap between them and, say, the Bulls and the Cavs and even the Hawks in that sort of tier below them. Maybe you lump them in with the Hawks. I'll believe the Hawks when I see the Hawks because they, they uh, don't get me started on the Hawks. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think this is a very good team. And I think their defense is going to be excellent. I think their offense will be, you know, if not you know, upper half, like right around league average. And I, I think they just, they find a way to win games, man. Nick Nurse is really good at getting the most out of the teams that he has. And the, the, over the last, what is it, nine years now, they've hit the Vegas over eight of those nine years. And the one that they didn't was the one where the whole team got COVID. And they, you know, the whole second half of the year was a waste as they were just in the middle of climbing the East and were like the four seed at the time it happened. So this team wins games. It's just kind of how it goes. And there's a lot of good players on this team. Is there a top 10 player in the league on this team? No, but there's a lot of really good players. You could argue there's like five top 50 guys or guys who will be considered top 50 guys by season's end. So um, there, there, there's a, uh, there's a lot to like here, I think with this Raptors team and, and I'm pretty bullish on this being a better team than it was last year. Who do you think is the most likely player to get traded? Probably Gary Trent, I would say, um, you know, it's tough because he's very valuable in terms of the shooting he provides. I, I don't know. This team might have more shooting than it did last year. Like just a little bit, you know, in terms of internal growth from guys, maybe Chris Boucher bounces back and finds a happy medium between the 38% from two years ago and the 29% from last year. Um, and then Otto Porter comes in. I, I could see just with the contract situation with him, if the team is like kind of listless, maybe they're in that playing conversation underperforming a little bit. Maybe they decide to do what they did with Norm Powell essentially and say, we don't want to pay this guy necessarily. So let's just kick the can down the road and get a different player in here that we can kind of work with for a couple of years with some more control. Um, so I, I would say he's, probably i think clearly the most likely guy to be dealt honestly like i'd be pretty surprised if any of the other core guys got dealt this season uh, unless there's some, some disgruntled star who comes along gary Trent jr to me feels like maybe a reshuffling the the deck chairs kind of guy if things play out a certain way by the trade deadline 
Now, I know you've been playing around with the Basketball Index because you were dropping some of their stats before. So we've got a, a Basketball Index-related quiz here. Sean, this is for players Ooh. who were on the Raptors last season. And these are three of their talent grades, three-point shooting talent, playmaking talent, and finishing talent. Now, you probably know a little bit of the definition here, but it's not just who had the highest three-point percentage. It's to do with difficulty of shots, volume of shots, uh, quality of shots. Playmaking is not just assists. It's about you know, are, you, are you getting guys in open positions? Are you, you know, what your potential assists, the variety, the volume of the passes and Finishing is about driving as well, getting to the rim, not just offensive rebounds and putbacks at the rim. It's about you know how do you actually finish and, and get through that contact for those higher difficulty shots. So in saying all of that, who do you think would have graded out as the highest three-point shooting talent on this team last season? I think Fred Van Vliet would be like the easy answer, but I don't think it's him because he had such a high volume that he had some issues with his pull-ups at times. I would say Gary Trent Jr., the man who for a time, I don't think it finished this way, but like halfway through the year, he was shooting a better percentage on heavily contested three-pointers than he was on wide open ones because that's just the way he rolls. I'll say Gary Trent Jr. It was in fact Fred Van Vliet. Um, oh damn! All right. I think they just give that extra weight towards the guys who who create for themselves more. Where Gary Trent's not sure, as much sure. of a self creator. He's relying upon getting guys um, or getting passes, getting assisted on those threes. Where Van Vliet is taking the deeper ones, taking the pull ups there as well. What about playmaking? This has to be Pascal Siakam, I would think. It actually was Fred Van Vliet as well. Interestingly, wow. Enough. Yeah, wow. interestingly enough. So yeah. All right. All right. It was it was a close <laughs> finish there. Now, what about what about finishing? Is this Scotty Barnes? It's Pascal Siakam. This was tough for this team. Well, there we go. Because yeah. <laughs> all these players were just, it's like we talk about, they're all the same size, the same height, they do the same things because they all, and everyone was sort of split and pushing around and doing similar things mm-hmm. at similar levels. But Siakam was there for that one. And this last question, all right. Out of all the players on the Raptors who played 1,000 minutes last season, who had the highest corner three-point percentage and roughly what was it? Is this qualified three-point percentage or like random guy who hit one three in a COVID game where eight players played? Um, it's <laughs> oh, it pl- is player a thousand minutes. Yeah. I didn't read the question yeah. properly. One thousand minutes. Okay, highest corner three-point percentage. Uh, I would say it's Fred. I was unbelievably shocked at this. It was Pascal Siakam who hit forty-eight percent of his corner threes last season. Can you believe that? I had no idea that he was hitting corner threes. I knew we had good numbers from the corners. I knew that was a thing that's come back. Um, But I did not know it was that incredibly high. And that makes me very excited about him working off ball with Scotty Barnes with the ball in his hands getting downhill. Uh, Seems pretty exciting to me. <laughs> it was a it was a real surprising number. I remember we did this show about two or three years ago. We talked about Fred, uh, Pascal Siakam being like a twenty percent three point shooter. And going, man, it's got to develop somewhere. And here we are, forty eight percent from the corners for Pascal. Sean, thank you. Does for- everyone go over four? By the way, like, did I, am I like an outlier it, it's here? It's a uh, it, it's a wide <laughs> mix. We had I think someone went was perfect yesterday, and then uh, we've had a, a, many others that miss uh, miss on these questions because I deliberately make them tough, and I deliberately make those, especially that last question, one that's just widely interesting. Just gives me something to talk mm. about. That's an interesting number there, which is what it is there for Siakam. Um, all right. I will blame my 0 for 4 on three weeks of vacation fogging my brain. Uh, had you asked me three weeks ago, like the people were asking for, I would have gotten 4 for 4, baby. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm just going to blame it on Nick Nurse, the worst coach in the NBA. Just just blame him for all, all of this uh, nonsense. Sean, thank you for who coming. Who are these people, by the way? I, we don't I, need to take more yeah, time. I, I don't I'll, understand I'll, tell you who, I'll tell you who they are. They're the people who drafted Chris Boucher and expect him to play 32 minutes because he blocks a lot of shots a couple of years ago and he had really good per 36 numbers. And the fact that you know, there was that game. That season was fake. That game two season- years 
ago. Was fake. That year, yeah. when when he uh, played like one minute against Joel Embiid, and everyone was calling for Nick Nurse's head. Get him out of here! It's mm-hmm. trash. How can you do mm-hmm. this? He's the worst coach. Um, that they're the people who are calling for Nick Nurse to be fired because they drafted Chris Boucher. But anyway, Sean, that does it. Raptors are done. What's happening for you over on Lockdown Raptors at the moment? Off-season stuff, baby. We did a big episode yesterday talking about Pascal Siakam and whether there's another leap to be made for him. He kind of found the best version of himself last year. Uh, We dug in yesterday as to, hey, if there is a leap to be had here, what does it look like? What does it mean for the team? And how does Scotty Barnes figure into all this as he's probably going to level up in terms of his usage as well. So go check that episode out, the Wednesday episode of Lockdown Raptors. Go and check that out. I am really excited to watch this team and see what you know, what Barnes has got extra in his in his kit bag, what um, Gary Trent can do, what Siakam can do, what all these players can do. Really interesting team. Go check out Sean on Lockdown Raptors. Sean, thanks for coming on Lockdown Fantasy Basketball with me. Of course, man. Happy to do it. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. People will say, do you want me to talk about Chet Holmgren's injury? Like, it's shit. Like, it's bad. He's not going to play this season. I'm still working through to figure out how the projections are all going to look, but it just means that a bunch of blokes are going to get extra minutes. Poku, Baisley, Robinson Earl, Wiggins, Mascala, Favors, and I don't think any of them really are going to be worth drafting in most fantasy leagues, but we'll talk about that later on. I still would take Chet Holmgren really high in a dynasty rookie draft. I would have no issue, depending on the state of my rookie t- of my dynasty team, at taking him at number one. So I guess I am going to talk about Chet's injury. I, I would have no problem with taking him at number one in a rookie dynasty draft. Um, I'm not thinking that this is going to be something he's just going to keep tearing foot ligaments. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's because of his build, but we are going to talk injuries at some point next week, and we'll dive into that a little bit more with an injury expert as well. So stay tuned for that show and follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey. I know I already said that, but who cares? On YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.